The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 248 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, I can you're beaming with excitement after the Lakers result on Monday night. I was actually excited that you said 248. So we're gonna we probably have done 250, right? Because we, we sneak de- in. We've definitely done there. We've definitely done 250. But in terms of official episodes, 248 official episodes. Uh you should, you know, we should have something to celebrate. Get all our listeners together um for 250. I think we could we could fill a room of like, you know, a garage or something like that. Maybe we could. Yeah, it depends on how big the garage is. Maybe a maybe a single car garage we could fill. What do you think? It's still fun uh, to talk about this stuff because yeah, you mentioned we we're t- recording after the Lakers, you know, s- uh, slipped out of Game Four, the Lonnie Walker game, up three one, which is really surprising to me. Not even not even the Lonnie Walker game, the the Lonnie Walker fourth quarter. Um, yeah. I watched the first half of the game before falling asleep. And I DVR'd the second half. And so when I woke up uh, this morning, I did see I had some texts and I did see that the Lakers had won. So I, I read a game and I started watching watching the DVR version of the second half. Um, and like I was reading these texts and I was like, when does Lonnie Walker show up? Like, like when does the Lonnie Walker supernova occur? Since so I was like, you know, third quarter, he's like sort of playing, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden the guy just. First player to score 15 points in the fourth quarter for the Lakers. That's Kobe Bryant. What do you think yeah. the Bovada Sportsbook.com odds of Lonnie Walker and Kobe Bryant being mentioned in the same playoff sentence were at the start of this year? And, and to shout out to Lonnie Walker, who I, I've not been a huge fan of over the years, but it wasn't like he was just, you know, wide open shooting threes. It was like he was doing stuff, oh, you know? He made a jumper. The the like the real like dagger kind of shot was like a, a contested jump shot late in the fourth quarter with like a minute to go. And it's like, this is what happened to the Bucks too, where all of a sudden like guys just started making shots against them. Tough shots, shots that you'd be okay with them taking. And like, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I just, how many points do you think Lonnie Walker has in the whole series right now? Oh, you know, I have the, I have it open in front of me, so it wouldn't be fair. Um, I would have guessed 20. Yeah, that's a good one. And how many does he actually have? I have it open too, but he has 36. But 36. Okay, that's good. But 36. Compare that to Malik Beasley, your friend and mine, two points in the series. Has played 18 minutes, completely buried. It's yeah. interesting. You know, and, and what does this become for Lonnie Walker? You know, um, nothing, probably like, I mean, but, you know, to the Lakers credit, you know, Rui's played well, really well off the bench. Lonnie Walker giving them something here. The Lakers. This is, t- this is a tough series for Rui because he like has to be a small ball five when he plays, and that's obviously not. I mean, we might like him in that position, but the Lakers clearly don't. But it's the time to ask. You know, obviously the Lakers are a threat to win this series. They're the clear favorite to win the series at three one. Bovadasportsbook.com has them minus five hundred to win the series, which I think is a little high. But um, do you think they're a threat to win the title? Because we think so my, low I, on them. I don't. Um, my you. You think minus 500 is high? I think that's like pretty respectable towards the Warriors. Honestly, like really cuz the I Warriors think, on the other side are plus 375. I mean, I don't I, the Warriors stink on the road. Like they I, I know yeah. they won a couple I know they won a few games in Sacramento. Um, but I just want to talk about like a couple decisions that happened in the game on Monday right. night that like really baffled me and uh you know, I, I think that Darvin Ham probably will get a good amount of credit if and when the Lakers close this series out. But, you know, just for the record, teams that are up 3-1 have won 95% of series. I think it's like 13 teams have come back from 3-1 down, one of which the Steph Curry Warriors did it against Oklahoma City in 2016. And then right the next series after that blew a 3-1 lead to the LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers. So, uh, but I, I do think like 
the Warriors have done some really interesting things. And I believe probably both from my view and yours, the biggest failing has been that Jordan Poole has given them nothing since game one in a game that they lost. Uh, he played 10 minutes on Monday night, but I don't understand if the Warriors are like exhausted. I don't understand if they're like terrified of Anthony Davis, but it really looked like on Monday night they had solved the Anthony Davis rim protection question, right? Yes. They had Gary Payton uh, in at the four spot nominally. And then in the first half, they just relentlessly attacked and attacked Anthony Davis in pick and rolls. And it worked really well. Every possession, they got good shots. They scored. They scored at the rim. And then in the second half, Darvin Ham switched to uh, having Davis guard Wiggins. And the Warriors just went away from it. Like, like, why did they do that, Zan? I, I don't understand. Like, well, the broadcast made it big. I don't know if you had the sound on, but the broadcast made it. I did big not. Point of, My wife was still asleep while I was grinding tape. <laughs> the broadcast and Stan Van Gundy made a big point of what you're saying. Like in the first half, it was working every time. And then he was saying they should run it every single time of Curry, you know, getting switched on the Anthony Davis. I did. Perimeter. I did hear that. And I honestly, yeah. I kind of agreed with Stan Van. Well, and and the idea was not only is it like putting him in a little uncomfortable situation, but like clearing up the paint for attacking after that, because there's no rim protection besides Anthony Davis. And it was working really well. Um, but he, that's one thing, like not to be a LeBron hater, but I see a lot made of that in the series. Like Anthony Davis, when he's out, they don't have rim protection. When he's on the perimeter, they don't have rim protection. Is low key LeBron James like, a bad rim protector for a guy who's six nine two. Yeah, I mean he's not. He was always a really good weak side shot blocker, but we're not talking about a guy who and like his chase down blocks were obviously a huge deal, and he has one of the you know his block on uh, a dollar or whatever go down history. Yeah, but like yeah, he's, he's not. He's not what you. He's in his not career like zero point eight per game. Like it's worse than Durant. Obviously Durant's but, but, longer, but but like what you're conflating is like blocks versus rim protection but he's not a rim protector either i mean no and he also spends a ton of his time on the perimeter too that's enough like he's not at the rim like your big is at the rim a lot but i'm just thinking for a guy who's you know claimed to fame is he can play one through five he doesn't play a lot of five he doesn't (laughs) defend the rim very well he was he was a good rim like a good issue. When he was on Miami. He wasn't like 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 weak side stuff a lot of chase down blocks and stuff i don't i don't know if you recall this or not, I don't know if we've actually ever had this discussion, but like when Durant first went to the Warriors and they did play like that death lineup, yeah, like Durant was like an unbelievable rim protector his first year in Golden yeah. State. And he didn't do it as often because they didn't put him in those positions. But like when they played him and Draymond was technically the five, but it was like him, Iggy, Trey, Clay, Steph, like, and all he did was just go like sideline to sideline. Like he was amazing. And Giannis is like that too, but you're yeah. a little bit of a different when we're talking about rim protection. I think in that sense, like you don't get a chance to alter as many shots as somebody like Anthony Davis does because you're just not always at the rim. Right. And so if you play five out, you're guarding a lot of different positions. Whereas like Anthony Davis is not, you know, he did make two really good plays. I thought last night, Steph didn't drive him at the end of the game either time he could. And I actually thought Steph, I didn't really like the mid range pull up, but like it's a fine shot for Steph. And then the three was deep, but again, I thought he had space. I thought it was a fine shot. I probably would have liked him to drive AD similar to like the Tristan Thompson shot in 2016. But like AD is just more of a pure, like I want to be at the rim and I want to be impacting what types of shots guys do and don't take. And that's not something you sh- I, I would expect out of LeBron, especially not now. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Just to back your point about KD up, you know, he, First went to Golden State, averaged a career high 1.6 blocks a game. And I think you're right. I think he was getting some like about two a game early and like some defensive player of the year buzz. And, he, and- he had he had real. I, I distinctly remember Zach Lowe like yes. planting his flag in the ground that Kevin Durant was the best defender in the NBA and not getting any credit for it. And I don't know if that was true, but he was truly a terror as a rim protector. And he's still pretty good at that. 1.8 the year after was a career high after that. This past year, 1.4. And he's... He's not great at like holding up, you know, at the point of attack, but he can right. which, block shots. Which AD is good at. Like AD has yeah. always had excellent timing, uh, even in high school, but he's also, ha- he has really good footwork. So like he does alter a lot of shots. And I think that's kind of the main point of this is that like, I don't understand why that was working so well. And also like when Rui's in the game, like why are they not just driving Rui nonstop? Like this, this is the biggest problem with the Warriors and like, 
I have no issue with the free throw discrepancy. They don't get to the rim. Like, they don't get fouled. It's just yeah. kind of how it is. They were the worst free throw shooting team, I think, from an attempts perspective in the NBA. The Lakers have the best differential. Probably 5% of that's LeBron, and then, you know, the other 95% is how they play. But, like, the Warriors just in the second half was like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to play. This is how we play. And it's like, all right, well, somebody has to get to the rim. And they have approximately one guy who can get to the rim. And well, that's and that's why the, all this conflates together. And let's point the finger at Jordan Poole because like, he is the only other guy that can get to the rim. He averaged five free throws this year, clearly second best on the team. The third best was actually Kaminga, 2.1 per game. So like, clearly no one else is getting the rim. Wiggins, Draymond, Clay, for, you know, given all their talent, like they just, that's not their style, I guess. And no. the fact that Jordan Poole is just like, not even a non-factor. He's just he, like, he, he was know, less than a factor. So, it was funny. I, I, uh, I suppose if you had asked me to go on Bovada and bet the game last night, I, I probably would have bet the Warriors, like, if I had to. But I think you had said, like, are we betting the Warriors? Like, how do we feel about them? And I was like, you know, they're just not good enough on the road for me to feel confident. And I do think they look exhausted. Um, but they are making threes, right? Like, they, they've, I think they're plus 90 behind the three-point line just in terms and of... the I Lakers are not, 30. like, the bubble Lakers got some credit for, like, hey, these got hot from behind. Like, and, and Rui's been hot, but... In general, I uh, I looked at the series stats. They're only shooting thirty two percent as a team. Yeah, and, the, so and that's the, not the reason they're winning this. And year. the Warriors are shooting thirty seven percent as a team. And I will say the Warriors missed a boatload of open looks in the first half last night. Like I thought there was a chance they would just kind of start to regress and make a bunch of shots. But like Wiggins and Poole were so bad to start the game. <laughs> like Poole had they took him up, they took him out late in the second quarter, and he was like complaining. I don't know what he was complaining about, but like. I wanted somebody to like grab him. I wanted PJ Tucker to fly in from Philly, grab Jordan Poole by like his jersey and be like, what are you doing? Like you're taking terrible pull-ups. You can't guard anybody. Like you're not rotating the ball. Like you're not moving without the ball. I I just don't understand it. And I, I truly do think that like Steph has to do so much that like, unless we get game six, I'm not saying the Warriors obviously are a hundred percent to win in game five. I don't know that I would expect they'll win, but I don't know. But unless we get Curry like with another monumental performance in Game Six, I I don't know how they win this series. Like, yeah, they have two home games. I think but they like, can win this series, and they I think can, they they can win. Certain, certainly they can win. Because I I like you, you know, we I've been doubting the Lakers all season, the second half of the season long, even even when they've been playing well. And I I have this series, I would have bet Golden State, you know, based on the odds, basically every game based on the spread. And I, I keep thinking they're the better team. I mean, you did bet on them, like. A couple times, and I think yeah, I was going to say at least two of them. at least twice, at least twice. But um, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis, and I think you hear getting to the line a little bit more. You hear Steve Kerr kind of floating that in the media. The Lakers have been flopping. You know, calls they put Scott Foster. They, they put Scott Foster on the call on Monday night, and the Warriors shot how many free throws? And like, I mean, in the series, there they barely Wiggins has been their leading free throw. Yeah, they're, he's shot 12 free throws. They're they're 36 from 51 from the foul line, and the Lakers are 83 for 103. I mean, and again, it doesn't it doesn't seem out of place to me, by the way. Like it really does. But they were trying to attack, and it's just these are not winning stats. Clay Thompson in four games, four free throw attempts total. Jordan Poole, three in four games. And then also the other stat, like, you know, Curry, as great as Curry is, like he can't be a one total one man show. You know, and you have guys like Gary Payton on the series, one for five from three, Draymond 0 for four. If you're not playing Jordan Poole, like you're, that's another offensive yeah, D- guy who's not in the game. Nunez like for four for obviously. he's like four for fifteen, I think from from three or four for sixteen or something. Like he's got to make more shots. Like it just is what it is. And I think here's what I will. I think that the Lakers have been fortunate. I would say I do think I don't have the uh, X scores. Like I don't have second spectrum, and I I haven't hit anybody up to ask about this. But I would imagine the Warriors are scoring under expectation for what their shot profile has been. I think they have played yeah I agree. totally okay in my opinion. I do think they really screwed up uh, in Game One with Looney and Draymond playing a lot together, especially when it was so obvious that with Looney planted in the paint, Anthony Davis had a lot more to do or a lot less to do. I do think the the Lakers deserve a lot of credit for how often they've attacked Curry in the games. I, I like I said, I think the Warriors are exhausted. Clay, uh, okay defender, probably a little bit overrated at his peak, but clearly not the type of guy who can play, you know, a hundred percent on offense and a hundred percent on defense anymore. Wiggins, I do feel like is 
I, I don't know what happened against Boston last year where he all of a sudden like outplayed Jason Tatum, but like I don't know where that guy is, but he's not here. So we we, we don't need to see that guy still show up. And then Draymond is a flawed guy when like other people aren't playing as well as they can. And so I just think that like I would expect the Warriors to have won this series a lot. And I think the Lakers have won close games, but I haven't like you're saying, do I think the Lakers can win the title? And like I think they would be clear, clear, clear underdogs against Boston. Um I would love to see them against Philly, honestly. It'd be really fun to watch them beat an Anthony Davis. But I think they'd be clear underdogs against Denver. I think they match up well with how Phoenix wants to play. Uh, so I, I would say I think that's probably a coin flip. But you know, I think so- Phoenix. I, I mean, again, I've been wrong about the Lakers. But I, I think Phoenix is better than them. Don't get me wrong. But. Yeah. Oh, it's just like a shot-making thing. Like, they were leaving, you know, Curry guarding LeBron a couple times. And it's just like, it felt like they weren't it, that scared of LeBron. No, you they're know, not. scoring. I, he he hasn't shot the ball great. I mean, he's still yeah. fantastic in how he impacts the game, but like he's not a huge defensive difference maker at this point in his career. It's just who he is. He's like I said, he's also probably injured. Um, and he's really, you know, his jumper has kind of abandoned him. And he does take a lot of bad shots. He takes a lot of good shots too. Like he took a bunch of corner threes, whatever, but like they need Austin Reeves to like really play well. Right. And that's still a problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. Went- it's, it's very much so like you know, Russell got hot for a half. Lenny Walker got hot for a quarter and maybe that's the formula, but you know, having the others step up, it's just, I just don't trust I, anyone on the team to I, be a reliable will, shot maker. I do think Darvin Ham deserves a lot of credit because in these must win games, uh, he has, you know, like when D'Angelo Russell was going crazy the other day, they took out Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, last night or Monday night, Jared Vanderbilt played 11 minutes. D'Angelo Russell wasn't playing well. In fact, was awful, I would say. And they closed with Lonnie Walker. And he wasn't yeah. afraid to be like, I'm going to go away from this guy. And I think that that is important, right? Because at the end of the day, we've talked about this and I, I fully believe this. Like your bench doesn't lose you games, but it can win you games. And the Lakers have had real fortune in terms of like, let's play Dennis Schroeder, like, Let's play Rui, you know, and, and I think that Darvin Ham deserves a lot of credit for that because they have been able to piece together when they need to make shots. And, right. the and then really, also like really haven't done that in terms of trusting your rotation, trusting your bench guys, but, you know, keeping them engaged, you know, like they all seem like they have good, you know, we say vibes a lot, but it's true. Like it's, the team seems to like each other a lot more. It's, it's really funny. Um, we've I don't know how many more critical podcasts of LeBron there are out there. We have been critical of LeBron, but like when he has it some a good thing going, when yeah. he likes the vibes of the team, like you're saying, it's like he has total faith in you. He's like whip and cross court passes to Lonnie Walker for corner threes. He's like, well, he's you know, it's like, it's like the coolest Davis. kid in high school, like saying hi to you in the locker. You're like you're <laughs> on cloud nine. You're like, I'm part of the crew now. Um, but yeah, they've done a good good job of that. And I, I had a couple of one last thing about the Warriors, like. I don't know if you watched like the end, like Draymond had a really bad turnover. And then well, they, Steph... they called, they called a, they called a hammer action, which I don't know why they did that. And like, again, I think simplicity for the Warriors, especially when you have Draymond, like wanting to lose his head all the time, Jordan Poole, exact, like he just didn't want to, the play wasn't there. The Lakers defended it well. And like, he just, he had nowhere to go, you know? But I wanted to make this point about the Steph Curry he was falling down. Kind of just throw oh, when, when he threw when he threw it out of when he threw it out of bounds. Yeah, it was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. Like if I, my point was going to be like a, like if J.R. Smith did that or JaVale McGee or anybody Draymond did that, they would be getting so much criticism for that play. It's one of the worst basketball plays you'll see. This guy like completely panicking and throwing the ball out of bounds. But it seems like what it's was like worse, Kia, Kia Clark in the NCAA tournament or Steph Curry against the Lakers? Oh, I thought this was worse because at yeah, least it was he was bad. throwing it to somebody. Kia this is Clark two. This is two plays now, by the way. And again, right. I, it's funny. Like Draymond threw the ball out of bounds last night. Like threw it right to Phil Handy, and it was kind of funny. Like he expected Jordan or uh, Gary Payton to be there because of the way their offense works. But Steph, like. He called timeout in game five against the Kings. When well, they had I no think timeouts. those are related. Like, so he accidentally called timeout when they didn't have it. And I don't know. I didn't see interviews post game, but I'm under the impression that he thought they didn't have a timeout because he didn't want that to happen again because they also challenged. Ah, they had a coach's challenge that didn't work. So maybe he thought we're out of timeouts. I think they did have a timeout though. And so it was sort of like, I don't, I honestly don't recall off the top of my head if they had a timeout left I or thought not. so. I tried to look at the broadcast. They didn't mention it, but I, I believe they did have a timeout in that situation. So, you know, now their backs are against the wall. I did tell you before, 
before the series, I thought that the Warriors, the best narrative like story would be the Warriors come back from 3-1 down against LeBron. I did tell you that. I, I, don't, I think it's very possible. It's such I a big difference to be 3-1 down with two home games. Do, do you really do you really think based on how we've seen the Warriors play that it's a like well, so I said you that said, I so, thought Memphis might come back against the Lakers. I thought Milwaukee might come back against Miami. These neither of those run. things have happened. But also like the Milwaukee thing was just kind of different. All right. So you said that Obovada that the odds were minus five hundred plus three twenty. Like, do you think in plus your three seventy five? I'm sorry, plus three seventy five. Do you think those odds are fair? Well, let's think of the odds here. Let's let's do actual math. Oh, um, that's not fun. It's because Warriors, I, I look at that plus three seventy five. I don't love it. I'd rather bet them game to game. Um, but I, I don't disagree with that. Like I'd probably But let's I'd, say like let's put crude percentages on it. What percent chance do you think they have of winning game five at home, six at home, or no five at home? Let's say let's say sixty-five percent. Sixty let's say they win two out of three times at home. Okay, sixty-five percent. And then the next game on the road, they'd be down three two going to LA. Probably would say they have a forty percent chance of winning that game based okay. on my respect for Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Okay, and then game seven, they would have have won two in a row. I, I just would and say it's fifty. I'd say it's fifty fifty. I don't know. I, I, I would say the Warriors should be favored, but I wouldn't like. I'm let's not. Get, let's give it a LeBron. sixty there. Okay, sixty percent. This is just very crude anyway. Like we're yeah, not, of course. And I, I think their odds are a little higher than you're saying, and that would be a fifteen percent chance total, sixteen percent chance. And if you're saying what is 375 that is 100 over 475 and that's a 21 percent chance so they're saying if oh, wow. you believe our math you should not make that bet yeah you shouldn't make that bet because but i think getting... that's actually fair because i think i think the odds are a little you said you higher think than... you said you think the odds are higher like maybe you think they well, have a... i'm thinking if they win two in a row including in la going back to game seven at home i think the odds are higher than 60 percent no, I'm telling you, it's a game seven, man. Anything can happen. I, I, I truly like that's where I think that like I just I, there is a part of me that really feels like the Warriors are just done. Like not not like not like done. Like they want to not play together, but like I just think Steph's got nothing left in the tank, and he might dig down deep. I thought that in Sacramento in Game Seven, I thought at halftime he looked exhausted from having to do so much, and and he was able to find a way to do it. The the issue I have with this particular series and why I don't think that's going to be the case is that like, I just think the Lakers are a specifically bad matchup if the Warriors are not making shots because like the way that the Warriors were able to beat the Kings was that like Kevon Looney just like took the game over and was able to like get a million extra possessions. And like the Warriors are out rebounding the Lakers, but that's not the way to like beat this Lakers team. They want to be a little bit like they can play slower if they need to. They want to kind of physically pound you. They want to take twos, whatever. So it's just it, you're not going to get in a situation where like you're able to win in a different way. Like they just it, it, well, other I than their shooting it, regressing. Well, other is it, than is it ma- not a Kevon Looney series in the sense of like you know we need more offense on the court? Well, I can I, trust Draymond to guard Anthony Davis. Enough. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, so it's, you just I, need shooting out there instead. That's, that's what I would do. And honestly, like I would play small as much as I possibly can. And then maybe I'd use Looney like against Rui or I I would just use Looney like randomly as one five man. Right. Like I wouldn't right. have I would never have Looney and Draymond on the court at the same time. And then I I would probably if I could avoid it from a foul perspective, probably would never have Draymond and Jamichael Green on the floor at the same time either. But I don't know. Like I said, I think the Lakers are, are distinct favorites. Um, they are obviously big favorites, but the one bet I would look at too, next game only game five. Warriors minus six and a half, minus two seventy money line. I just don't see them going out at home like this. This would just be, you know, it, unless it's just like this is a nightmare season. Let's just end it. Started badly. Started with the Draymond Jordan Pool thing. Pool's been rotten all year. It's just like it's not. He's not been year. rotten all year, but he hasn't been. He averaged what? twenty a game. Yeah, so he's been uh, pretty good. But um, I don't know. You know, and I, I noticed this. Uh, I saw this. Uh, I was looking up the Spurs because I always compare the Warriors to the Spurs of the Duncan era. And the Spurs won, you know, they had the late title, but they had, there was a stretch where in nine years they won four titles back when Duncan was closer to his prime. Yep. And they never won back to back. And of the five years in between those titles, you know, scattered in between, 
they only made one conference finals. And, and they never was made only, the finals. And that was only the year against Oklahoma City, right? Yeah. So they, they had lost in the first or second round five out of nine years, despite it's, winning four titles. So it kind so, of feels similar where it's just like you have a title run and then you kind of get a little tired or it does the vibes aren't right. And then you lose the next year and then you try to reload again. You've gone all in on vibes. Like you're just a vibes guy. I know. Well, no, whatever. I, the, honestly, you know what I think the real thing is, though? And this is, again, we... We frequently are like, oh, man, LeBron this, LeBron that. And then, like, we realize that, like, you know, we're watching a guy that we'll never see again. But, like, how many games you have to play. And, like, even in this load management era, like, you still have to play like that. And so you play a super long season. You roll right back around. You're playing again. You go to game seven against the Kings. You're trying to figure out a way to do it. But, like, Andrew Wiggins hasn't been part of the team for the entire year. Like you said, pool's not been great. Like, again, it's just – it's a lot, right? And – the Lakers have been home the last couple of years and guys have been hurt. Anthony Davis hasn't played a ton of games. Like, you know, they, maybe they're just a little bit spryer, you know, D'Angelo yeah. Russell, not a lot of miles on that guy. Not a lot of postseason games. Yeah. You can compare Kevon Looney's minutes to Anthony Davis's in the last two years. Very, yeah. It's, Probably it's different. just a different thing. And I, and again, I, I wouldn't put it past the Warriors for, for winning, but I wouldn't bet on the Warriors to win the series. That's for sure. Why don't we briefly touch on the other three, uh, one series. Heat up 3-1, uh, win both games at home. Jimmy Butler back in uh, game three. He's been spectacular, probably one of the three best players in the playoffs uh, this year. I don't have a lot of comments on this other than the fact that it's very clear to me that the one major difference between the Kings or between the Knicks and the Heat is that the Knicks have a true star. Or the Knicks do not have a true star and the, and the Heat do. Like, I, I know that that seems very simplistic, but like, as good as I think Julius Randle's been and as good as I think Jalen Brunson is, like Jimmy Butler is just able to control every game they play. And I don't think the Knicks have that level of quality. They, they, you know, they're trying to put Obi in the corner and have him shoot threes. Like Mitchell Robinson is, I, I would say, lack, literally unfocused. And, you know, the Heat are just locked in. Everybody knows what their role is. And Jimmy just takes care of the rest. And I know how stupid that sounds, but like, I just don't think the Knicks are going to be ready to be a conference finalist until they figure out like how do we get better than Julius Randle as our best player yeah and uh, two quick thoughts on that like shout out to Miami Jimmy Butler obviously um you know playing without Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry still coming off the bench it's just like an amazing thing and it would be interesting if we have like everyone dismisses like the bubble Mickey Mouse ring like if it's Miami and the Lakers in the finals again it like validates everything those teams did in the bubble um and the Knicks yeah like I don't know if you saw the Mitchell Robinson quote uh, there was a tweet somebody tweeted like man you can't guard um you know whatever you're you're getting beat by bam and he goes well I have to help on every single possession you know or something like that so not to overuse the term vibes but it feels like maybe New York just feels like the season's over yeah and they had Josh, a good season though they had no. this- Really yeah. good. And, yeah. you know, Josh Hart seems like he's probably a little bit more banged up than he needs to be. It is. It's really interesting, by the way. Uh, I kind of want to juxtapose the heat and the bucks for a second. And so, like, we've kind of talked about this a lot over the last couple of years. But, like, other than Pop, Eric Spolster is the longest tenured head coach, right? He's been there 15 years, which seems crazy that it's been that long. Uh, but remember when he got the job, it was like Pat Riley's protege. And obviously he's always been protected and they won titles with like LeBron and whatnot. And it's like, Hey, you know, maybe it's time for a change from Spolstra. And, you know, obviously with the bucks, you're the only one who started that, that talk, by the way. I no, no, that, that's what I'm saying. That. That's what I'm saying. Like in, in, in almost any other scenario, any other team gotcha. after a couple of down years after LeBron things like Spolstra doesn't keep his job is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mike Budenholzer gets fired after their, his team wins 58 games like his brother literally dies in the first round of the playoffs. He doesn't tell anybody about it so he can keep coaching, which is what he wanted to do, his choice, whatever. And they they fire him. And it's like, who are you getting that's better? And I think the Heat recognize for how they want to play, for the players that they have, for the culture that they want, like firing Eric Spolster is a net negative. And I, I respect their their organization for that because, yeah, he may not win another title, right? I don't think they're good enough to win the title now. But I, I'm not counting them out. If they play Boston, those two teams match up pretty well. Like, they always give Boston tough games. Like, I just think that it's it's like, you know, these teams, they look at their coaching staffs and they're like, we got to do better. We got to do better. We got to make a change. And sometimes it's right, right? You know, Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr was right. But, like, 
Miami has shown that if you keep your culture and you keep your continuity, then you're able to shuffle guys in and out yeah. and like continue to play the same way that you want. You're you're able to draft a guy like Bam Adebayo and take him from you know a project to a top flight big. You bring in Jimmy Butler, who's like perfect for what you do because you know exactly what you want to do, right? My question to the Bucks is like, all right, I'd hire Nick Nurse, no questions asked. I think he'd be really good. But at the same time, like, does he know exactly how to coach like Brooke and Giannis and Middleton? Like, and what culture do they want to play? Like, do they want to change how they play? Like, what do they do? And, um, you know, Miami just knows that it's a very turnkey process there. And I think there is something to be said for that. Well, you know what I was thinking about? Because I was reading an article about Larry Bird as a head coach. And if you don't remember, he was yeah, he very successful. For yeah, he was good. And, although some people thought he was just like a CEO type, but whatever. And he only coached, I think, three years. And his argument was his choice. And his argument was, as a player, I know the players kind of think the coach's message gets stale after three years. And I'm not going to disagree with him here. But I think teams like, you know, Miami have done a good job of like, we're keeping our coach, but getting some new blood to the roster every three years. So somebody like Gabe Vincent is not going to tune out the coach. He's happy to be there. You know, Max Struess is trying to prove himself. So they have like hungry guys on the roster still. They don't have that sense of like staleness. And so I think if you do keep the same coach, it's important just to kind of like trickle in new talent every once in a while. Not even I agree with star that. talent, but just like new players. I agree with that. And I think that that's, you know, we joke about the heat a lot, right? And about this whole like Sky Force connection. And like they found Duncan Robinson and they benched him and they paid him and they benched him. And it's like, they do a really good job of like, if you come in, and I, I don't know this for sure, right? This is my assumption, but if you come in and you play your ass off, you will be judged based on how you're playing, not who you are, what you make, and what your name is. And I think that they do a really good job of showing that. And the other team that did that, you know, really well was the Spurs for a while. And there aren't a ton of other teams that do that, right? Like, you know, we're not seeing the Bucks find Caleb Martin, right. play him over Wesley Matthews, right? It's it's not something that you'll typically see. And, that's and not I like to, going young too. Like those Vincent and Struess aren't like young, young, but versus like, oh, you know, we need to get Joe Ingles in here. You yeah. Know, he's a and this is a veteran. I, I do want to speak specifically. Like, this is not a referendum on anything that the Bucks are doing. I do think the Bucks will be much worse without Bud. I think Bud is a great coach. I think he'll be unemployed for exactly how long as he wants to be. I also think that the Haslam's are terrible owners based on what we've seen them do in football. Uh, so I would expect that the Bucks are probably going to be worse off. Windhorse is already out there doing his like fun making a memes like oh maybe Giannis is gonna go to New York in 2025 which has kind of been out there for a little while so like again it's not a referendum on anything the Bucks did it's just it's more of a like this is kind of how if you really want to build an organization if you really want to have staying yeah. power you have to let some leaner years happen you have to let some failure happen and and some youth and growth because if I'm Giannis sure. I look at this roster Drew is 32 yep Brooke Lopez is 36, 35 and a free agent. Chris Middleton has been her. He's not that old, but he's a free agent and he is 31. So yeah, he seems is this older over. Yeah. He seems older than he is four years in college. Like I don't, I don't think the window's over because they have Giannis in his prime. Right. So how could Chris the window just like over? looks old? He, he does. Like, he, he looks like, he looks know, like getting up like out of bed and his, and his back hurts. Like interesting. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears to the east, uh, or to the other series in the east before we go back to yeah. Jokic versus great Matt Sheba. Philly barely gets the win. Philly blows a, a, a big lead, like playing really well, blows a big lead. Um, one of the first times in his career, I can remember Embiid looking, I won't say scared, but like looking tentative, looking like he didn't know what he wanted to do at the end of the game. Uh, they're down three. PJ Tucker gets a huge and one literally goes and screams in Embiid's face to like get him back into the game. Like absolutely MF him on the court. They find a way in overtime. Harden makes a big three. I don't know what Jalen Brown was doing. They're up two. like, why in the world are you helping off a corner three point shooter for rickety old Embiid to like, like Zan, aren't you totally fine with him being taking a turnaround fadeaway? Yeah, up to he'll, he'll he will take it too, right? and he will, and, and he'll make it a lot of the time. Like he will, but like, well, what I, in I'm the just world wondering what's that? going on in Philly. It's like I feel like they're teetering on like, oh my god, like, teetering. You know, but in the sense of like, this could all crash, or it could swing up. Or they could win. The, 
Or yeah, they win the, the title. title. So the, on aggregate, they're getting crushed, right? They won game one by four. They won game four by two, or by one, excuse me, in overtime. And then they got blasted in game two, lost by 10-ish in game three. They, I want to be very clear here. Boston is better than Philly. Like, they are, they are yeah. better than Philly. Their team is better. Their players are better. The way they play is better. I think Doc is better than Joe Mazzula uh, mm-hmm. for this specific instance. And I think that James Harden, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that guy. Yeah, name. that's what it's like, like. It's so back and forth, like his plays back and forth. And the outcomes, like, because I read another article where they're like, it is a foregone conclusion that he's going to Houston next year. Like, they might win the title, right? I mean, I even if they lose, they had a good season and they're still in the mix. I don't know what I don't know what Bovada's odds are on James Harden's next team, but Houston should be a pretty big favorite. And so again, here, here's the thing: like we said, Boston has been better than them, but it's two two. Going back to Boston, uh, obviously after this will come out the next day, but if they're going to play in Boston Tuesday night. Philly finds a way to steal that game and come back in Game Six. I think they need a huge game from Embiid. I don't expect it to happen. I also was really, really, really surprised to see Missoula go away from Malcolm Brogdon late in game four and i understand he had made a couple mistakes but like philly doesn't really have an answer for malcolm brogdon like yeah the the you know brown and tatum are the big scorers or whatever and horford really plays well against philly but like brogdon just gets shots he's shooting like 70 percent from the field like it it, it just seems like they are very they're having a very hard time matching up with malcolm brogdon in my opinion well and you know what that's a good thing because i wanted to mention that too Watching that game went to overtime. So Boston had a chance to win in regulation, and they had a chance to win. Yeah, and Marcus Smart shot a three, missed both times. Well, the second, well, the second one that wasn't Marcus Smart's fault, really. Like, well, they wait, they point. waited too long, and then they right. they got the an open time, look, but it was too late. The first time they, you know, I think it was Tatum driving, kick it out to open. Marcus Smart misses the three. Second time, you're right. Tatum took too long to get to Marcus Smart. He would have made the three if he got it off in time. Yeah, but, he was like half a second late. But I think the fact that they had Smart out there instead of Brogdon meant a lot of things because you have to respect Brogdon more. So maybe Tatum can actually drive and have some space to drive inside. I think there's a reason Marcus Smart is open, you know, to end these games. And if I'm Joe Mazzulla, I'd say like, you know, maybe we shouldn't make this our answer. You know, like this is not a winning formula of like they want Marcus Smart open. We, yeah, we I mean, they play into their hands. Yeah, and I mean, Marcus Smart is shooting right around what his you'd expect. He's shooting like thirty-two percent from three. I think maybe he's maybe he's closer to a thirty-five percent shooter. I don't know. I, I I think Marcus Smart's shot selection oftentimes is kind of questionable because he will take. I don't. I, he has to take open threes when he's in the game. I'm totally fine with it. Don't care one yeah. bit. Uh, but I, I think that, that my point is more like he didn't look, take game winning shots. But if it's such a minor difference. Like Marcus Smart shoots thirty-two percent and Brogdon shoots thirty-six percent. What's the difference? It's more just like the, how the defense has to play them. Too. No, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. And that's what yeah. I'm saying, though. If you're going to play Marcus Smart, he has to take open threes, yeah. and is what I'm telling you. No, I and you, and, you and know he's that. okay at that. You're, you're saying don't play Marcus Smart in that right. spot. So in that, an offensive only possession, yes. I will I say, though, I, I do think, like, this is going to sound so ridiculous from a guy who never talks about intangibles, but, like, Smart is going to have confidence to make a shot when it gets kicked to him. That's the other thing. I... I would prefer they play Marcus Smart less. They're getting less of a good Derek White, I would say. Like yeah. I, I thought White would be a little bit better than he has been. Um, he hasn't really done much as a distributor. Tatum has been better in that role. Smart still turns it over a bit too much for for my liking. Uh, but I think Boston's better. I don't know. Philly needs the two games Philly's won. James Harden has had humongous games. He was absolutely sensational on Sunday night. Like just fantastic. Maybe even better than he was in Game One. So, yeah, if you're going to get that effort from him again, because at this point in time, like, it seems very unlikely that Tyrese Maxey is going to throw up a big game, right, on the road. He he just hasn't been very good against Boston. Um, and then it seems pretty unlikely that you're going to get anything from Tobias that, like, beyond, you know, what you typically get from him. Like, I don't think we're going to see a 25-10 and 10 game from Tobias Harris when he makes five threes. So, like, I think they should play DeAnthony Melton more. Uh, I think they should probably pay P.J. Tucker a little bit less. Uh, and then I do think that like playing Georges and the Yang is really playing with fire. Like he really has to be able to make shots for you to play him. But hey, it's two two. 
basically a must win, I think, for Philly. Um, you don't want to give Boston two chances to close out the series, in my opinion. But I would expect Boston to win. I would assume they're reasonably big favorites on Bovada at this point. Yeah, let me look it up, actually. But I, I agree with you. I mean, like, look, Philly's really good. They're really good. They're really good. But Boston, I think if you played the playoffs a thousand times, they would win most often. I think if you just played this, I think if you played this series a hundred times, Boston wins 70 times. Yeah, they're good. I mean, look, this series price is pretty extreme. Philly plus 250, Boston minus 320. Dude, that's crazy, right? Like that's, I I mean, I don't know. That's, that's saying they win what, like 35% of the time. I guess that seems about right. Yeah, that seems about right, actually. All right, last series, nothing crazy here. Last series, Phoenix Phoenix versus Denver. Uh, I don't think this has been as fun as Philly. Really? That's my, my favorite series, I think. I don't know. The The good games for both series have been great. Game four, uh, just an absolute classic. Because De- you're on Devin, the East Coast, you're tired and cranky when Devin, the games are on. Devin Booker, man, I have said a lot of negative things about Devin Booker, but that guy... I mean, he is just absolute Mr. Flame. Like, what? What's what's the guy that like lights himself on fire? He, you know, human he's torch. A super, yeah, yeah, human torch. Like, he made sixteen jump shots in Game Three. Sixteen, and then in Game Four, follows it up with another huge performance. I think he had thirty six, and he made like eight mid range jump shots again. Like, the guy is just basically like, hey, this is how we have to play. This is how we have to win. Like, get on my back. He's clearly been Phoenix's best player. I actually think no Chris Paul has been good for him. He, they've been able to play a little faster without Chris Paul in the game. It lets Devin Booker be a little bit more of a ball handler. But, like, I mean, we knew this guy was good. But, like, holy shit. Yeah, he I think could he, do that. I mean, like, when he before Chris Paul, he averaged six and a half assists a game. Like, he, he can do both, you know? Sort of Kyrie Irving-ish, you know, mid-range Steph Curry, I think, is a fair comp, maybe. But, yeah, um, that's good. And he's that's been good. doing it for a while. Like, looking at his career. The last five years, 27 points a game, 27 points a game, 26, 27, 28. So this is nothing new. Although I will say, like, are we overreacting a little bit to the playoffs in the same way that, like, remember Jamal? It's it's a small sample size. Of course we're overreacting. But the guy is... Remember, like, when, when Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell had that amazing first round, everyone's like, Jamal Murray, perennial all-star. It's like, he's never made the all-star can, can we can we talk about Devin Booker for a second though? Game three, 20 for 25 from the field, five for eight from three, two for two from the foul line. All right, you ready? Let's let's go to game four. Two must-win games. They have to win these games, obviously. <laughs> game four, 14 for 18 from the field. Three for four from three, five for six from the foul line. So we're talking two must-win games. He puts up 36 and 47. I can't even do that math. 74. He's averaging 40 points a game, right? And he shoots 34. This is absurd. This is absurd. 34 for 43 from the field in two games. And it's not like Shaq or something where it's like you could see him just like scooping in layups. Like he's hitting like tough shots. He's hitting these are all from the perimeter, basically. I have no, I I would love to see it. I, I could probably look it up if I wanted to, but like he is making all jump shots. Like I have no idea what his shot chart looks like, but it ain't a lot of layups. It's not. No. Like, and then the only other thing is that, like, obviously, you know, Jokic, forearm shivers, Matashiba on the sidelines. My man takes a massive, like, a Marcus Smart level flop, <laughs> then puts a statement out that, like, Jokic shouldn't be fine. It's like, dude, why are you grabbing the ball in the first place? Like, yeah, they it's like Jokic. new owner syndrome of, like, making waves early. And just, it was like, kind of smart, honestly. They know Jokic wants to go quick. Like, Denver pushes it. But Jokic... Game four performance, like, just outrageous. I mean, I, I think he was, what, he goes for 53, 20 for 30 from the field, 11 assists. Like, I think he, I think I read that he assisted or scored 31 of their 50 made field goals. I mean, that's crazy. Like. I, that's interesting to me, like, two things. He's the best out. player in the NBA right now. <laughs> yeah, we know. said it's, that privately, and I agree. Like, it's just, I don't think there's an argument for anyone else right now, even without winning a ring or whatever. It's just, like, he's been doing it for three years. It's just, like. Um, and then also the efficiency has been even better, but like, think about last year when you don't have Jamal Murray, you don't have Michael Porter and you're still able to be super efficient as a scorer. Like that's amazing. Um, but this, if I'm Denver, I'm worried about only one thing is like, we all thought Phoenix had a bad bench, like not good enough to win the title. And their bench has been better than Denver's bench. Like Denver's yeah, like it has nothing. Been, but, but some of it's also been that, you know, it's funny. We, we just crushed Phoenix for how they played in game one, but 
you know, Monty Williams, like, welcome to the NBA this season. Like, he started to play, you know, they, they played Terrence Ross, they played TJ Warren. So it's not even so much that, like, the bench is better. It's just they have more space now on the floor, right? Like, yeah, you can play Torrey Craig a couple of minutes, but, like, they buried Torrey Craig and Josh Jacoby. Like, it's, it was, it's weird. It's like the Lakers thing where it's just like we have like a 10 man bench and we pick three of them every night. It's like a grab bag, you know, picking out of a hat. You know, what my, fa- r- you know what my favorite part about this is like this is coaching, right? Like yeah. we talk about how rigid people are. And I've I've long gone on rants on this podcast about how like in season you should be trying a lot of different things out. Right. If you know you're going to make the playoffs. Right. If you're Phoenix or you're Golden State or you're Milwaukee, and you know, you're going to make the playoffs. You need to look at a lot of different angles because like small sample sizes in the playoffs, right? Zan, like, we don't know that, we didn't know that, like, Devin Booker was going to light himself on fire and make every jumper he took. But, like, when you see that happening, like, damn, you got to surround him with guys that give him the space to make that happen, right? Absolutely. And I think that's why, like, we were talking about it off podcast. But, like, look, you have an amazing two-man punch here. It's like, just give him a little space. And like Marcus Smart, like, just take the three when they're open and hopefully you make 30, 35%. And that's why I like Shamit because he fires it needs more of a spacer like you know off ball spacer than campaign and then you know i like terrence ross i said to you like he just gets it and fires it he's not the most accurate but he's not shy and i just want guys who are not shy to firing it away and and i don't know about the tory craig thing it's weird because i thought he'd been playing well i don't think it's a bad matchup for him but for whatever reason monty does think that do you know do you know how many minutes he, how, how many minutes he played on sunday night I, he's 38 in the series, so I don't know. No, no, he five played minutes. seven seconds. Seven. But why like, is that? Like, why can't they just put him on Michael Porter no, or something? There isn't you, – you, you can't have people helping off of him now, right? They need to find a way – so this is this is actually what I really appreciate about the Suns team. And, like, I don't want to root for the Suns. I told you before I thought trading for Kevin Durant was brilliant, like, whatever. I don't want to root for the Suns because, like, they're, they're just generally, like – sad sack of team to root for right like chris paul's complaining like durant's got his like he's always miserable yeah it's it's whatever but i i think like chris paul got hurt and they were like okay you know what we're never getting stops anymore anyway we need to go all in on offense right so like why do we play tory craig why do we need to play josh okogie like you know what we're gonna do terrence ross get in the game buddy and get six threes up in 16 minutes you know what i mean let's get the floor space like let's just outscore them and that's what i appreciate about a team like this is like you're 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 talking about I think you've said for the last couple months, like or last two months maybe, Phoenix needs another offseason, right? They need a way yeah. to kind of plug what they think their holes are, find that fifth starter, whatever. But like right now, they don't have that time. And I, I just really appreciate Monty Williams being like, you know what? Hey, Denver, find a way to stop us. Otherwise, yeah, we're gonna try to win every game, you know, 125 to 120 or 135 to 130, whatever it may be. But that's the way you that's why you signed Terrence Ross. You're not expecting him to win you a game, but he allows you to play a different style, right? And Shamit and him combined for seven threes. And that's a largely why they won. That's a huge yeah, reason. Look, why they that won. was the first game, actually. The, you know, it's 2 2, but game four was the first game where I'm like, I think Phoenix is in control of this game for the first time because they had spacers who were willing to shoot. And I still think Denver's better. I think I Denver's think, better too. And, and yeah. they have the best Phoenix in will eventually, series. like Booker and Durant, especially Booker, Booker will cool off at least one of these games, you know? I don't know that, honestly, I don't know that he will in this series. I really well, don't. Well, he's shooting 57% from three, you know? I mean, like, I think he's he shooting 61. I think he's shooting 61% from the field, yeah, which is insane. Six, like 64% from the field, 90% from the line, averaging I, I, 36 and nine. I mean, oh, he's, he's fantastic. Like he's, he's been he's, great, but like he, he's going to have one bad game. Steph Curry has a bad game once in a while, right? Like if you this high, I think that two, one of the two, things about the playoffs that's so incredible is that it's just like kind of small sample size theater, right? Like, yeah. You you don't need Devin Booker to play this way the entire year, but in the playoffs, we've seen Kawhi Leonard do this before. Like you can make every mid range down the stretch of a game. For you know what it feels eights. like to me? Like they're gonna have a puncher's chance, and it's just like nature of the NBA, nature of shooting. Like even if you're an average, let's say you're an average free throw shoot three point shooter, like thirty five percent, like sixty five percent chance you're gonna miss. But like that that hit is like, hey, that can really make a difference. It and can. I think. I think for Phoenix, that's how I feel about them in the series almost where it's like, you know, they have a shot, just, you know, they have a 35% shot of winning the series. And just because somebody can get hot or that, you know, whatever, Ross can get hot one game, whatever it is. And if they can get out of the series, even though they're the underdog, I think, 
I think they can win the title. I do think they can win the title. They have a, they they are the one team that we are sure can always score the basketball. And yeah. that's why normally I would say Golden State is in that mix because of Steph Curry, but I I just I don't see it right now. I don't think he's getting enough help, but Booker and Durant can keep you in games no matter what. And Chris Paul will hopefully come back if they're if they win. You know, the next <laughs> I just saw that uh I was looking at the advanced box score from game four real quick before we sign off, but like Devin Booker, 87% true shooting percentage. Uh, Kevin Durant, 73%. And, Only and shout out to Durant. He's done a good job of like getting to the line. When yeah, he's, he's, well. he's been much more of a, uh, I would say, aggressive scorer than we've seen from him. And and this is why I, I Denver should be the favorite. I'm sure they are the favorite on Bovada. Probably not to win the title, but I'm sure they are the favorite to win this series. And it's, it's only probably, minus 180, so this should be is close. the closest series. It should be close, I think. Um, Devin Booker has probably been the best player in the series, but Jokic, I think, is the best player in the series. He is. Uh, his numbers are just preposterous. Like the guy is so good, it's unbelievable. Uh, he did get fined twenty five thousand, by the way, for the forearm shiver. And uh, I kind of just want to talk about that for like two seconds. Sure. Um. Charles Barkley was like exactly right. Like, why did Shiba not get a Shiba or whatever his name is not get thrown out of the game? Like, why are you touching the ball? And also, like, why is Jokic getting fined? Like, is he did he not get fined? Like, the Suns owner should clearly be fined, should he not? Yeah, he should. I mean, but whatever. I, it's just it's just like so ridiculous. But yeah, Jokic, with lost in us doting on Devin Booker is. Uh, yes. We're now Jokic. four games into the series, and Jokic is averaging thirty six and a half, fourteen, and nine and a half on. 57-43-87 Yeah, is he still minutes. underrated? Because it's, I think you can make that argument. Denver, are they still underrated? They're only plus 200 to win the West. And they should be favored in this series and next series. So I think Denver would be a terrible matchup for the Lakers. I don't think I don't think Phoenix would be a, 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 an awful matchup for them. Uh, but I do think that I do think Phoenix would be favored against the Lakers. But Denver, like with the way that Jokic plays and the way, and where we know that the Lakers are vulnerable. I think they'd be a really bad matchup for the Lakers, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I, I'm just a Lakers hater, I guess, because I, I think there's a chance they could just like get blown out in the next series by either team. But they, we keep hearing they have the best record in the NBA since the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But also, they did have to play down the stretch. That was you know what's interesting. I just thought yeah, of this. Uh, Boston last year was like, you know, 25 and 25 before they turned it on and won the uh, went to the finals. Lakers this year, I think, were 25 and 30 or something, and then they turned it on. Do you think the Lakers would be in this position if it not for the play-in tournament in the sense that they didn't turn off the gas? They're like, we can make the play-in at least. And well, then they finished as the seventh seed anyway, right? Like they were the, they, they were still But they the knew that gave them a the... cushion. So even if they were the ninth <sighs> or tenth, they I had guess, a chance of winning. I guess we're trying to discuss existentially if we think the play-in tournament. Yeah, I think yeah, it did motivate I, I don't, them. I don't, or I don't Miami, think you're wrong. I don't know, did it? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think you're wrong. I think that's a pretty reasonable thing to I say. I think it was because like, there were talk. There was talk about, hey, punt this season. Well, they were Come never. Do, they year. were obviously never doing that. But that did. I do think that made them be more aggressive in this year. And I do. I, I will say this yeah. too. I do think the Western Conference being deemed as a little bit weaker, like Golden State looks somewhat vulnerable. Like Denver's good, but how good are they? You know, Phoenix has some things going on. They're trading for Durant. You know, I do think that made the Lakers be like, hey, Let's we have LeBron and Anthony Davis. If we well, yeah, because with the foot injury that he has, like I think Wendy said that Windhorse was like LeBron smells blood in the West. He could think they're vulnerable. Windhorse is I, like I, Windhorse's thing now is to just like it's like a meme generator. He just like says these ridiculous <laughs> things. It's, it's is he great. like a married happily married man? I don't think I, so. he has a family. Yeah. Oh, he does have a family. Yeah, I he seems like an angry guy. I think he's just like. I don't know. I think he's like toying with us. Like, I think Windhorse is like, everybody thinks I'm a joke. So like, I'm just going to do things like this, but why don't we, why don't we call it for today? Unless you got something else. You got anything else you want to talk about? I didn't realize that he went, I knew he was LeBron's guy from Ohio, from Akron. I didn't realize he went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's himself. Brian Windhorse. Did you know that? Yeah, he did. And then he went to Penn State. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's, I thought he was just like the local beat report. I didn't know he was that. Well, he worked for, the Akron Beacon Journal. I, I believe he's a little bit older than LeBron, and I think he worked for the Akron Beacon Journal when LeBron was at St. Vincent St. Mary's. Right? I believe that's correct. That makes sense. But remember, he's so I don't know if you 
I don't know if you recall this movie. I'm sure you do, but that more than a game movie, which like was the high school documentary about LeBron, like he was in it a ton. Know. Oh, I didn't because see like that. he was like the main. Be- you didn't see it. Mm-mm. You have to watch it. It's an actually, it's like an awesome documentary, especially because like Romeo Travis like clearly doesn't like LeBron. I think they're cool now, but that's a good movie. You should watch it. I, in, so in the like absence LeBron, of LeBron, like talk about good fortune. Like LeBron's like star power, random kid born without like NBA bloodlines. Like just lifts everyone up around him. That is amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> somebody was saying that like there is like privilege everywhere or whatever. But growing up next to like either a superstar athlete or somebody who becomes like a big time businessman, like and just you you get to pick who your friends are and just like a stroke of luck, like all of a sudden you might you might be the CFO of a company because your best friend is like a legendary thinker or something. I don't know. I know, but but, like, and, uh, but on the opposite end, it, that's what I love about sports. As much as we hate LeBron. We don't you know, hate LeBron. LeBron. Time, Nobody hates time. LeBron. Stop no, but it. I'm saying like he is the ultimate like or Giannis, like meritocracy of sports where it's just like random kid born in yeah. Ohio. Like who would ever think he would become like a billionaire and like the yeah, best basketball I, player ever? It's just that, like so that was actually fortunate. that was actually one of the reasons. And we didn't really talk about this, I don't think. But if we did, forgive me. But like that was one of the reasons why I didn't really appreciate the discourse around like Giannis's like failure mm-hmm. comments. Because, like, yeah, I think the Bucks season ultimately would be classified as a failure. Like, they, they should have been a title contender. They were a title contender. They lost in the first round, right? But I, I think that, like, people were criticizing Giannis for not recognizing that. And I feel like what Giannis's life has been, like, it's very hard for him to be like, hey, I lost a first-round series. Like, I am sure he's pissed off, right? I'm sure he's angry. I'm sure he wanted to win. He didn't want to get hurt, right? But, like... I do think when you look at somebody like Giannis, like it's very hard to deem anything that he does at this point a failure because I I was talking about this, like this is, it's just lovely, you know, when it happens in internationally too. Cause I'm like, I don't, Oh, his dad, Giannis's dad had been a soccer player. His mother's a high jumper. So they were athletic. They were athletic. Yeah. But But, like he lived on the streets basically. Yeah. But you know, I was thinking about like you were stuff. grinding grainy Giannis footage. You and Jonathan Gavoni <laughs> were the only two people watching his game. But play. I love that. I love that in sports where it's like this random ass person can be. It's one of the few meritocracies in life. Although I was talking about it because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, whatever. Let's say Donald Trump. His dad was super wealthy, real estate guy. He became super wealthy, became a president. It's an unlikely story, but you could see the past. It's not. It's not like. I guess him being president was unlikely, but yeah. him being rich was certainly right. Unlikely. Like it's almost like you know, yeah, minus three hundred. But does Bovada give odds on kids being <laughs> rich? That would be amazing. Like, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was like a random ass like village boy from Austria. Yeah, You're telling me this guy has become can't even speak English becomes a movie star. Yeah, becomes yeah he a was, governor of California. No, no, I mean, there, there are, are a odds bunch of that. There are a bunch of good stories like this, and one of the reasons I do. I know we talk about like nepotism a lot. Like we've been very rude to Kelgen Blevins on this podcast, but like yeah. Giannis, like bringing his family over and like, you know, getting his brother on the bucks and his brother's a hard worker. Like I coached his brother, like his brother's a fine 15th man. Like it just is what it is. Or like LeBron, you know, and Maverick Carter, like doing it together and like figuring out the people that they need to have around them that make them feel comfortable. Like that stuff is also very cool to see. Right. Because those guys never do it all their own on their own. Right. Like, yeah. If you watch this more than a game movie, and again, people who have probably, if they're listening now, they've probably already seen it. But, you know, he had a lot of people who did look out for him and like Drew Joyce's father, like took care of him and made sure like he had somewhere to go, made sure like some a way to get to practice. Like, and so paying it forward in those specific instances, I think does make sense because, yeah, you're right. Like, it is an amazing story. And and I'll, I'll, I will defend LeBron and how he's become this, you know, absolute mogul over like anybody you know what i mean he hasn't gotten in trouble like he he embarrasses himself sometimes with like his lies like we know you yeah, yeah. his personality is a little cringy but, sometimes, but but in terms of like who he is it's spectacular and so i just think that like i like the fact that they pay it forward right i like the fact that he keeps dusting off tristan thompson on the bench like those stories to me like you you, you look for the people that have helped you and I, I think i think he's a to me lebron is one of the best role models you could possibly have as a as a kid like aside from like your parents, yeah, like, taking care of your friends, being a good family man, taking care of working like, hard, working hard. Team. Exactly. Yeah. So let's wrap on there before we get too, uh, too serious about LeBron and say too many nice things. But uh, he is Zand underscore Elson on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show Zander at gmail.com. 
man, it's going to be the Eastern Western Conference Finals when we record next, Dan. So I, I can't wait. Uh, but yeah, as always, I've been, it's been really fun. I mean, I you know, star-studded playoffs, only lacking Giannis, but like it's this is what we waited all year for, and it's paying off. Yeah, as always, buddy. It's right, a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.